have a seat. Here we get a shot. Um, first thing, just a little bit of business here. Everybody has a cup of water. Now, this water came out of the faucet in the bathroom. Do not drink this water. We will know very soon if you're the person that drank the water, you'll have dysentery. Just, just pick up your glass of water if you could, and just let me see that everybody has a glass of water. Good, awesome. Okay, that will come into play later. We, what's that? If you spilled the water, then you can have mine. But then, <laughs> um, uh, so we got a lot of moving pieces this morning. We have Bobby, who is Woo! going to be painting for us, and I mean, it looks like it's almost done. <laughs> uh, and then we're going to have some music elements coming in later, and your glass of water is also going to be an element later. What's that? What? Oh, oh. I mean, that's no, that's good water. No, no, no. Yeah, yeah. You don't want the water. Look, just. Don't have this water. Um, as long as you have your glass of water, you're good. Also, it's unproven if you'll actually have dysentery. So if you're currently calling your doctor, don't worry. It's highways. You're, you're probably okay. <laughs> um, we, yeah, we got a lot of ground to cover this morning. We're going to talk about, so I, I'm actually, I'm super excited to be with you guys this morning. Um, Chelsea and I, my wife, and I just got back from a week-long trip in Vermont, and that's kind of our reset uh, trip each year to kind of just gauge where we're going in the next year. We spend time just hanging with our grandparents and talking about life and where we're headed and where they're headed, all that kind of stuff. Um, and so I just, like, I got, I, I had written an entire sermon and on, on uh, Friday, or on Saturday, actually, when we were on the plane, uh, I totally got derailed and thought, you know what, I have to, I have to pivot and I have to speak on something totally different. Um, so we're going to go off the rails a little bit, but I think we're going to have a great time, um, I think. Uh, <laughs> um, but we're going to talk about airplanes. We're going to talk about Jesus calming a storm. We're going to talk about a psalm. We're going to talk about a Hebrew word called nefesh. Everyone say nefesh for me. Very good. You're all Hebrew students. Uh, we're going to talk through Luke 27, and then we're going to get to water. So there's a lot going on, and uh, what Bobby is painting is actually going to mean something. So we've got a lot to cover, um, but I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going we're gonna to dive in. So let's pray together. God, I'm so grateful uh, just to be here this morning. What a time uh, of the year. We have so much going on. Um, there's, so much, there's so much travel. There's so much busyness. There's so much work. There's so much everything. There's so much relaxation for some of us. Um, it's, a, it's a season of muchness, and I'm, I'm thankful for that. Uh, but I do pray that right now uh, you would just slow us down. This is one of the rare moments in the week that we actually get to pause and just reflect and just think and just spend time with you. So if this could be nothing more than just a great time and a great hang with you, I, I pray that that's what it would be. Amen. All right. Uh, so on Saturday, Chelsea and I um, took a plane flight. Now, if you're flying into Burlington, Vermont, it's a very small airport. There's not a lot of planes going in and out. Uh, in fact, if you're going to get on a plane, it's going to be one of those tiny little kind of puddle jumper things with like propellers on it and everything. So you get on um, and we had to like literally like we took backpacks thinking we were all like, you know, cool and like we'll just take the backpack, no worries, no bag, no bag to check. When we got there, uh, Chelsea's backpack was so large that they were like, you're gonna have to check that in the bottom half of the plane. <laughs> so we got there, we checked the bags, we get there, we're all good, we're taking this tiny little airplane up 
uh, and, and we're going to fly into Denver. So we've got, we've got a long time on this airplane. It's about like four hours. So we get on the airplane, and immediately the captain is like, just, you know, prepare yourself. There's some weather. We're going to have some kind of crazy stuff, and it's a small aircraft. So just understand that, like, things are going to move and shake in, in a different way than you're probably used to if you fly any other commercial airline ever, right? So this is not the thing you want to hear. Uh, jumping onto an aircraft that the, the captain's like, <laughs> it's going to get weird. So we, we, we start and we take off and it's a little bit bumpy and it's fine. And Chelsea and I have also been seated at opposite ends of the aircraft. So Chelsea is in the front and I am in the back and our bags are in the middle. And all of a sudden, as we're coming into Denver, the weather starts to change and things start to get a little bit rocky. <laughs> and by a little bit rocky, I mean, the captain literally says, not just like fasten your seatbelts, but he, over the loudspeaker you hear, uh, if, if y'all could just hold on, hold on from the captain, hold on. So we're holding on on Saturday, this is just yesterday, we're holding on for dear life, and the airplane is literally starting to go like this. And all of a sudden, the bags that we had checked are falling out of the, the top of the aircraft. So all of a sudden, you've got these bags that are coming down, and you've got backpacks that are going, and lipstick is flying down, and there's all, the, it's chaos. It's absolute mayhem and chaos, and when we land, you wanna hear something really great from the captain going like, <laughs> piece of cake. The captain said, and I quote, I'm just really glad we're all okay. <laughs> I'm just really glad we're all okay. And in that moment, I thought, something needs to be said about the fact that a captain of an aircraft can just get on and say, I'm so thankful that we're all okay. But to be honest with you, in that moment, because Chelsea was way at the front and I'm way at the back, and I, like, I played it very casual and cool and walked up, and I was like <laughs> a little bumpy up there. She was like a wreck, and I was like, I'm, I'm crying. I'm, I'm like in the inside, I'm really crying. Um, but like, I, I think there's something to that saying, like I'm just so glad that we're all okay. I'm so glad that we're all okay. Because you know what? Okay is a really great place to be when you're on the ground, right? It's a perspective shift. A lot of us spend our lives trying to get away from okay, trying to get away from just the average sort of like uh, mundane moments in life. But the truth be told, when you're in a moment of crisis or you're in a moment where chaos is just going like insane, you want okay. We thrive on okay. And okay is a perfect place to be. We live in a society that teaches us that you need to be at a 10 or a zero at all times. That you're either all the way down here in the depths of like your soul and woe is me, and then up here you're at a 10 and you're supposed to be happy-go-lucky and everything is supposed to be the best. You know what the truth is? A seven is a great spot to be in. So says the captain of that little aircraft, right? I'm so glad that we are okay. And you know what, I, I took that and I, I walked off of that airplane and I went, you know what? I'm so glad that I'm okay. Uh, Vermont for me, every year that we do this, I, I, I take a little canoe trip, it's my little I used to do it with like Death Cab for Cutie or Dashboard Confessional for those guys. Just an emo song and I just kind of weep my way through the lake. Um, <laughs> nowadays I've, I've gotten a lot better. Uh, but I always take a moment, I kind of stare across the lake and I just think like, what, what's this year 
going to hold uh, for me? What's this year going to hold for Chelsea? What's this year going to hold for our church? What's this year going to hold for our community? Um, and, and the overwhelming sense that I got back and the reason that I pivoted and wrote an entirely different sermon was because I just got this overwhelming sense that God was just saying, it's okay, it's okay. And it's not just okay to be okay, it's great to be okay. And that's gonna be our motto moving into the fall and our motto going everywhere. And it turns out that Jesus is really, really, really good at making sure that you're okay. We talked about this last week. If you read through the Sermon on the Mount, which is the biggest chunk of text that we have that Jesus talks. So all the red letters, you can just calculate. Like This is the biggest chunk that we have that Jesus is speaking directly to us. And think about this for one second. If you are a deity, a God, a, a, a enlightened being, right, and you have had an eternity to think about what words you will say when you are here, what words will be recorded, what words will be written down, what words we'll be talking about for the rest of time, you're probably going to take those words very, very seriously. And what's remarkable about the Sermon on the Mount is that you have a God who just wants you to be okay, who just wants to take you out of anxiety. Talks about the lilies in the field and the birds and how they're dressed better than any girl on her wedding day or better than Solomon and all of his splendor, like all of this imagery to say like, no, you're okay. You're good. Right where you are is right where I want you. And I'm going to take care of you day by day, in and out. And so Jesus, as he's walking through, if we just clock him in every kind of interaction that he's in, he's always healing, bringing life back to people, like giving dignity back to people. And I think that the real message that he's always trying to say is like, hey, you're going to be okay. You're going to be okay. Yeah, things were really rough before, but I'm here now. You're going to be okay. And in our lives, that's the same thing that he's trying to do to us every single day. Just to say like, hey, you're going to be okay. I'm going to, day by day, I'm going to take you. Uh, one of the key passages for this uh, is this moment where Jesus calms a storm. We're going to read through this and we're going to do a little, we're in the middle of a series called Christianese. So we're taking sort of overused Christian phrases and trying to inject life into them. So we're saying like, okay, you've heard this a thousand times before. Right, but what is really at the core of it? What's the context behind it? Um, and so this this story, I think, has been said just way, way too many times. Right, but what I would love to do. Oh, sorry. Can we uh, can we scoot past that one just real fast? That's my water one. I think I put these in in the wrong order. Um, is there another? Yep. Per, nope. A little bit further. No. All right. Let's tell the story instead of reading scripture. Guys, I'm going to quote the Bible here. Um, in the book of Mark, in the book of Matthew, in two different Gospels, we have a story of Jesus at the peak of his ministry, right? So this is like, this is big time stuff. He has got crowds coming to see him. There, people are showing up out of the woodwork to be healed, to hear the words of this person. And, and this was a rare thing. That what, what Jesus taught with is something called authority, and it's a rabbinic word for that. But basically, if you had a teacher that taught with authority, which means like there's something new that this teacher is saying, you would hike for miles and miles and miles to hear what this teacher had to say. 
And Jesus was one of these teachers. And so he taught with this authority. And so he's at the peak of his ministry. He's, he's speaking on beaches. There are thousands of people in the crowd. And all of a sudden, Jesus looks to his disciples. And we, we did this last week as well. But he looks to his disciples and he just says, you know what? At the peak, this is like everything. We should be scaling. We should be building church buildings, right? We should be doing all this stuff. And he just says, you know what? I think we should go to the other side of the lake. Now, to us, that seems like a very trite thing. But the other side of the lake is where the Gentiles lived. The other side of the lake is where those people live. And you don't talk to those people. You, you don't talk to them, much less have a meal with them or sit down with them or actually interact with them or go through life with them. We don't talk to the people on the other side of the lake. And here Jesus is in this peak moment and going, you know what? I think that's where we should be. I think the place that, that needs to hear this the most, that's where we should be, regardless of the numbers that are coming in right now, regardless of the scale, regardless of anything else, we should be on the other side of the lake. So they get in a boat. <laughs> And they go to the other side of the lake. Now, the Sea of Galilee is a very big sea. If you're staring out at it, you're going to not see the other edge of the shoreline. It looks like an ocean, right? And you have to understand something else, too. Like, boats in Galilee were a thing, but they were not a thing. These were fishermen. They were a thing that you would go out on, and you would fish, and then you would come back right? You were not going to take journeys on this boat because this boat was not designed for you to stay the night on and actually move across the water. It was designed to take you out. You get some fish. You come back home. You enjoy your fish. Lovely time, right? We're going out. We're coming back in. We're not going to go across the lake. The boat's not designed to go across the lake. But Jesus says, nope, we're going to go across the lake. And he puts everyone on the boat, all these disciples, these 12 guys, so it's, it's a big football team. They're all probably very smelly. We're putting them on a boat, and we're moving them across the lake. And in the middle of this, and you have to remember, maybe there's a sail, but most scholars don't even think that there was a sail on these boats. They were just man-powered vehicles. You're literally, like, like pushing yourself across the lake. Middle of the night, a storm hits, and you're in the middle of the lake. And you can't see the shore this way, and you can't see the shore this way. And a big storm comes up, and the boat starts to sway, just like that airplane, right? Luggage is falling out. Things are going crazy. And all of a sudden, these disciples start to freak out. And these are fishermen. These are like learned people on the sea. Like This is their job. Their one job is to follow Jesus. And their second job, which they left behind, was we spend all day on a boat. But they're still freaking out because this storm is so bad. And so they begin to rock. And they begin to sway. And they begin to freak out. And they begin to think, this is it. This is the end. We are at the end of our ropes. Let's go get the teacher. Maybe he can do something. And you would think, like, where is Jesus in the midst of all of this chaos and all of this storm and all of this craziness? Jesus is asleep in the bottom of the boat. So they go and they wake up Jesus and they say, we're going to die. And Jesus gets up. And again, this is just, Jesus is like, like that character in a Western who's just kind of like got his cap just like tipped ever so slightly, like just taking a draw of a cigarette, like kind of saunters up to the end of the boat, and he says, be still, be still. I wish I had that scripture for you guys, because that's the exact quote, be still. Now, that's an important thing, and the water's calm, 
and the waves go down and the storm goes away. And be still is an important thing just in our lives, right? Be still. But for these people, for these Jewish people who are steeped in the early traditions of the scripture, who are steeped in the Torah, they would have known this little story about a guy named Moses. And a guy named Moses took all of these people out of Egypt, out of slavery, and he brings them to the Red Sea. And in that sea, right, this huge, vast thing, he parts the waters, and they go through. And then he shuts the waters down on the Egyptians. We don't talk about that a lot in church. It's not in Veggie Tales, but that's what actually happened. So we have a God that brings you to a place, splits the sea for you, as we sang earlier, and literally takes you across in stillness. And the thing that Moses says before the Red Sea is parted is if you'll only be still, the Lord your God will fight for you. If you'll only be still. Not if you'll only stress out more. Not if you'll only solve this problem. Not if you'll only like fix this. But if you'll just be still, that's when God fights for you. Not the other way around. When we try and fight the battle, we're just going to be swimming across the sea. When we be still, God parts the waters and we get to walk right through. If you'll only be still, the Lord your God will fight for you. To be still, right? So if we have our cup of water, and you take your cup of water, and, and you start to shake it, can we just, just kind of give it a good swirl? Let it, the turmoil, just, just kind of witness that, <laughs> right? Now, who wants to live their life like this, <laughs> right? Shaky, crazy, it's all over the place. We don't know if it's going to spill or not. But if we just let it be still, right? Who wants to live their life in that cup? <laughs> I would rather live my life in that cup, right? This is the invitation that God gives us on a daily basis. Who's in control of your cup? You are, right? We're the ones that are stirring this. We're the ones that are causing the chaos, causing the turmoil, and we're also the ones that can choose to stop. We're the ones that can say, nope, I'm going to just let it be still, and it's there. And that same uh, lake in Vermont, if you step into the lake, there's a really nasty, marshy sort of period. So when you put your foot in, your foot will just sink into this sort of grimy, nasty muck. Um, so you kind of want to get out a little bit further. But if you really kind of walk your way through it, it begins to get all cloudy. All of the dust is rising up. All of that nastiness is just rising up, and you cannot see the bottom. But if you just stay still, if you just stay still for like five seconds, all of that begins to settle, and you can see right through it. You see, I think in this whole series of Christianese and what we've been trying to talk about is, is that our Christianese has really taught us, our Christian language, our Christian culture, our Christian whatever, has taught us that for some reason Jesus really doesn't care about your life right now. That for some reason, it's all about what happens after this life. And 
whenever we look in the scriptures, whenever we look at the gospel specifically, God is always trying to just tell you, hey, you've got the cup in your hand, and you're going like this, and all you got to do is just stop, and I will be right there waiting for you. And the coolest part about that is in, in the very beginning of scripture, we have this creation narrative. We have this uh, narrative of seven days where God creates. Actually, six days he creates, and on the seventh day he rests. But the way that he creates you and I is really special and something to pay attention to and something we don't talk about because, like, again, we're trying to constantly take this language and put it somewhere else. Like, once we die, that's when it all happens. But no, it's all right here. When God creates humanity in this poem, in this beautiful ancient poem, he takes dust which is the earth, which is chaos, right? Dust that's scattered all over, and he breathes life into it. So if you really take that seriously, we are a combination of dust and holy. We're a combination of the most elemental stuff and the most holy stuff, and we're a combination, which means we are something new. When God breathes life into dust, it becomes us not just dust with breath in it, <laughs> right? It's not a 50-50 thing. When God breathes life into dust, we are created and something new comes into the world. And what's so cool about that is you have this dust, which Bobby is painting for us right here, that's so scattered, so all over the place. But when God breathes into it and he breathes life into us, that dust goes from something that's crazy scattered and all over the place to a living, breathing human being that is centered and still and not scattered. You are not created to be scattered or all over the place. And too much of our life, especially in LA, we are taught you need to be scattered, right? Like just work harder, grind, 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 grind. Jesus' main mission when he's here is just to tell you, I'm trying to take that grind away from you. I'm trying to let you know that you can just rest and that you can be okay and that you can let things in. You are not scattered. You are an addition. I breathe life into you. I created something new. You need to let that addition into your life. And so often we, we just ignore that addition or we ignore those, those emotions or whatever it might be that's, that's moving us toward. So this morning, I would like to invite Omid up. And, and I would like to uh, manipulate us using music. I had a music teacher once that told me music is just nothing but emotional manipulation and it's absolutely true. And we're gonna prove that today. So um, I can say something, right? I can say you are a beautiful human being made in the image of God. That's fun. Now, Omid, could you play something um, kind of broody, moody, and like mm. in a minor key? There we go. <laughs> now if I say, you are a beautiful, image-bearing creature of God. What just happened? <laughs> right? It's stupid, but it works. Like, it, it just changed everything. And we don't have to avoid that. We can actually embrace that in our lives. 
you have a little device, most of us do, that like you can play any song you want at all times. You can let that music in, you can let that emotional manipulation, if you will, in, but you can actually use it to your benefit because the real deal is Jesus just wants to invade your life in any kind of way possible, and it's really easy when we leave the door wide open. So stuff like music, stuff like art, stuff like beauty opens us up in a way that we're not open unless we choose to creep that door. And we can choose that each and every day. It's not silly, it's actually real. Like this stuff matters. So create space in your life, create time in your life where you can let that door open to the grander possibilities of what God could have for you. We have every opportunity to open the door and so often we we choose to keep it shut and we choose to stay scattered and we choose to stay mucky and we choose to stay messy and we don't have to do that. We can open the door to clarity at any time. And so what I'd love for us to do is just if we could bow our heads, I'm just going to pray over us and I'm going to invite that door open. God, I'm, um, I'm just so grateful for this space, uh, for this time, for these people in the most authentic way possible. God, thank you for the ability to open that door. Thank you that you're a God that creates stillness. I pray that uh, as we leave this space and as we go into our week, which is going to be hectic and crazy and work and all of that stuff is going to come flooding back, that we would be reminded that we have the opportunity to open the door. Amen.